Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode 22, Barbara Daly Bankland. Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime Works. I'm your host, Ash, and this week's episode, episode 22, is all about Barbara Daly Bankland. And this case certainly has it all. It has everything from money, glamour, mental illness, incest, and even murder. And before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Lisa for suggesting this case. And if you guys have any ideas for upcoming cases, you can always email me truecrimeworks at gmail.com or just send me a message on Instagram, truecrimeworks. So thank you so much, Lisa, for this suggestion. So let's just get right into this case. Barbara Daly Bakeland was born Barbara Daly to parents Frank and Nene Daly. And she was either born in 1921 or 1922. I have found reports that say both dates, so one of those. And she was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Unfortunately, she had a rather tough family life. Her mom had suffered a breakdown when she was a young girl. And she was still recovering from this when her husband, Frank, died by suicide. And this was when Barbara was only 10 or 11 years old. He locked himself in his car and died from carbon monoxide poisoning. He tried to hide this as a suicide so that his family could collect the insurance money because most insurances don't pay for suicides. And I guess this worked because Nini and Barbara were able to collect the insurance money. This had to have been very tough for Barbara. At only 10 or 11 years old, she had one parent die by suicide, and the other parent was struggling with mental health issues and trying to raise her on her own. Nini decided to have a fresh start, so she decided to move with Barbara to New York City, right in the city. And she decided to move to the Delmonico Hotel, which was a luxury hotel. It goes by a different name now, but it was in a really nice area. So they appeared to be doing well, at least on the outside. Nini was still struggling with mental health issues, and unfortunately, so was Barbara. She was actually seeing a doctor for this. If you've seen any pictures of Barbara Daly Bankland, you know that she was absolutely stunning. She was so beautiful that she was one of New York's 10 most beautiful girls. And I don't know how they measured that, but that's just what it said. So that's quite a feat because there's a lot of people in New York. With her good looks, she was able to gain exclusive modeling contracts. And she did some really great modeling too. And I'm talking about Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, stuff like that. So she was really doing well in her career as a model. And of course, she was able to attend the most exclusive parties with the rich and famous. And she also had many famous and rich suitors. She was doing so well in her career that she thought the next step was to move out to Los Angeles, California and become an actress. 
She actually received an invitation to screen test with the actor Dana Andrews in Los Angeles. She thought this was perfect and she would get her big break and become an actress. She did not end up getting that part, but she would meet someone that would change her life forever. She would meet another aspiring actress, and her name was Cornelia Bakeland. Now, Cornelia came from a very rich family, and she wanted Barbara to meet her brother Brooks Bakeland. She was tired of all the women coming after her brother and only wanting his money, and she thought Barbara would be different. And her family seemed to really like Barbara as well, so she thought this was a good idea. Brooks was a trainee pilot with the Royal Canadian Air Force, and he was extremely good-looking as well. And when I say the Bakeland family came from money, they really came from money. Brooks's grandfather was Leo Bakeland, and if you don't know him, he was the chemist who created Bakelite Plastics. So he was known as the grandfather of plastics. So you can imagine, they were doing very well financially. Brooks was immediately taken with Barbara. They made a striking couple. The only problem was, Brooks wasn't that serious about the relationship. He wasn't really ready to settle down at this point in his life. This would change, however, when Barbara told him that she was pregnant with his child. Brooks didn't really know what to do. He enjoyed spending time with Barbara, but he really wasn't ready to commit the rest of his life to her and raise a family with her. He asked his parents what to do, and they strongly suggested that he do the right thing and marry her. Times were different back then, and he agreed, so that's what he did. He married Barbara. They had a beautiful and lavish ceremony. The only problem was... Barbara was not pregnant. She lied to Brooks about this in order for him to marry her. At some point, he realized there was no baby coming, and I guess she either told him the truth or pretended to have a miscarriage, something like that. I don't know. But either way, she lied about this. Brooks and Barbara then decided to buy a luxury apartment on the Upper East Side of New York City together. They hosted a lot of dinner parties together with their friends, and their social calendar was pretty much booked. They looked like a perfectly happy couple on the outside, but on the inside, things were much different. The couple would fight so much that the neighbors eventually complained to the building manager and the police about the situation. Rumors around the friend groups eventually surfaced as well. They all said that, Brooks was unhappy in the marriage, and it was pretty much a loveless marriage at this point. And that may have had some truth to it because Brooks had many, many affairs with multiple women. He didn't even hide it. He would even bring some of the women back to the home he shared with Barbara. Many people thought that the couple would divorce during this time period, but Barbara actually did become pregnant this time. She gave birth to Anthony Bankland on August 28, 1946. Barbara and Brooks appeared to give their marriage another shot as well. This, however, did not stop the fighting or the infidelity. The fights would get so bad that one time, a friend remembered that Brooks was joking during a meal out with some friends, 
that for a million dollars he would sleep with the next woman who walked through the door, no matter what she looked like or how old she was. Barbara became so irate about this that she said, quote, If that's the way you feel, I'll just go off with the first man who comes along in a car, end quote. And she actually ran into the middle of the street and flagged down a car with four men in it and just took off with them. She did come home a couple hours later because she realized that was not something that she should do. But it was still a very dangerous thing to do. The couple would also continue to host many parties at their house. Brooks would say, quote, My house was always buzzing with beautiful, silly, tipsy people. End quote. As their son Anthony, or Tony for short, would grow up, the parents doted on him constantly. Well, they went from doting on him to ignoring him completely. They wanted him to be some kind of child genius, and they would show off his drawings and writings to all their friends and saying how great it was when it was just, you know, the normal kid stuff. That must have been a lot of pressure on the boy, though, because it made it seem like he had to be this great success in life. They would also ignore him when it wasn't convenient for them to parent. Tony began displaying some disturbing behavior. He would do things like pull wings off flies to see how it would affect their balance. And one time when Tony was about 12 years old, a family friend joined them on vacation in Italy. And they would see him playing with crabs on the rocks of the beach and pulling their legs apart, which seemed a little creepy at the time. The friend said that maybe he really was just seeking attention from his parents because they would either dote on him constantly or just neglect him completely when they wanted to do their own thing. So it was really sad. The Bakelands traveled all over Europe, especially during the summers. On another vacation in Italy, when Tony was about 14 years old at this time, another couple joined them, and they had just had a baby, so they brought baby food with them. A few days into the visit, the baby food went missing, and then they asked a servant girl what happened to the baby food, and she says that Tony does it. He takes the baby food when everyone is sleeping and steals it. And that seemed very strange to these people. And they said that maybe he wanted to identify with the baby because he really didn't have any proper parenting, which is really sad to hear. Tony would come out as homosexual when he was about 14 years old. He would tell psychiatrists that his first homosexual encounter was at boarding school at the age of eight. And when he was 14, he was actively looking for sex with other men and brought them back to his family home. That's another thing. His parents would send him to boarding school for a long period of time because they didn't really want to deal with him. And I'm not saying boarding school is bad, but it seems like they just shipped him off so they didn't have to deal with him. Brooks and Barbara were not happy about Tony's sexuality. It was a terrible shock to them, and they just could not accept it, which is absolutely terrible. They tried to do everything they could to try to make him straight, I guess, and they really wanted him to be straight. Now, this was a time where Barbara was really unhappy because she was unhappy that her son was gay, and she was also unhappy in her marriage because they were always fighting, and Brooks never stopped having affairs. 
One time in particular, he had an affair with an English diplomat's daughter. This was while they were in Paris on one of their many trips. This lady was 15 years younger than him, and he absolutely fell head over heels in love for her. This was more than just a physical affair. This was emotional too, and he was really in love with this person. He was so in love that he asked Barbara for a divorce. She did not take that news well and took an overdose. She survived, but in order to keep Barbara from doing this again, Brooks decided not to run away with his mistress, and he decided to stay married to Barbara. He didn't want to risk having her harm herself again. Brooks was really torn up about this. He would even say, quote, Faced with becoming a murderer for the sake of freedom, I gave up my girl, end quote. Barbara's behavior became even more erratic at this time. She decided to let Brooks know what he had by having affairs with other men. And this did not work. She began an affair with a Spanish physicist, and it actually backfired because her husband found out about this and offered her an annual allowance if she were to divorce him and marry her lover. She ended that and said it was because he couldn't park a car properly and she didn't like his feet. Okay. And Brooks never stopped having affairs, even though he was, I guess, committed to his marriage. He was committed to being with her, but not committed. In 1967, the family was vacationing in Spain, and this is where Tony would meet a man named Jake Cooper. And he lived in an abandoned farm with a lot of other people, and they did... Um, some hallucinogenic drugs and stuff like that. And he kind of had a reputation of being into black magic. Some people say that he actually cast spells that killed people, which is kind of crazy. But Tony was really drawn to this man. He would buy him gifts and give him money. And he was falling in love with him. A family friend would actually see them together and tell Barbara... She was so irate about this that she went to Spain from Switzerland, where she was staying, to bring him back. But they were stopped at the border because Tony didn't have his passport. And she got so mad at the immigration officials that she kicked and spitted on them. And she was arrested with Tony, and they spent the night in jail. After that, they went back to Spain again. And Tony began to see a French girl named Sylvie who was on holiday there. Barbara was, of course, thrilled by this because she wanted him to have a girlfriend. So she would do anything she could to keep them together. She would invite Sylvie to dinner a lot with the family. And she even told Sylvie that if she were to marry Tony, she would become a very rich woman. I mean, imagine you're at dinner with your boyfriend's family and the mom says something like that to you. That is so crazy. So she would invite Sylvie pretty much everywhere during the next couple weeks. And it kind of backfired because Sylvie began having an affair with Brooks. Barbara found out about this months later 
and she attempted suicide again. But this time, Brooks did not come back to her. He decided to continue a life with Sylvie and told Barbara that he really did want a divorce this time. So by trying to make her son fall in love with this woman, it really backfired because the woman and her husband fell in love, which really had to hurt. Now, before they separated, Barbara allegedly told Brooks that she could fix Tony and his sexuality by taking him to bed. And of course... Brooks said, absolutely don't do that. So now this is the summer of 1969 in Spain. And that sounds like a song. And Tony and Barbara were staying together in a rented house. And at this point, she was openly telling friends and family members that she was having relations with Tony, her son. And some people believed it, and I guess some didn't. But either way, it was really having an effect on Tony. He was really not handling things very well. One friend would go to their house they were renting and saw a broken chair and broken flower beds. And Barbara told him that Tony threw it there in a fit of rage. So they were having some pretty bad fights. He was apparently acting out as well. At one dinner party, he disappeared to his room and then he would come out totally naked in front of everyone. Barbara and Tony would also spend time back in New York City. And this is where Tony decided to enroll in a school for art in New York. And then he was drawing some really troubling pictures. There was, you know, a lot of blood and gore and stuff like that. And he actually said to one friend that he was having relations with his mother. But he said it a little more graphically than that. Some of the pictures that he drew had his mother in them. And she would be decapitated and sort of just things like that that really didn't seem right. One night... Tony showed up to the apartment and he was really agitated and not acting right. And Barbara was so scared about this that she arranged for him to go to a clinic to get some help. And the record said that his prognosis seemed poor. But he was discharged after because Barbara could not afford to keep paying for this. And his dad, Brooks, did not believe in getting any kind of help for mental disorders. He refused to pay for Tony's care. After this, Tony beat Barbara unconscious with a heavy wooden walking cane. And then she was meeting with her divorce lawyer at the time, and he also tried to knock him out when he tried to help Barbara. So after this, Tony was diagnosed with schizophrenia at a local hospital but his father refused to help in any kind of way. So Tony was released back into Barbara's care. 
and he was not able to take his medication or anything like that. And his mental health was really deteriorating at this point. His behavior was becoming more violent and more unpredictable. And Barbara was not helping either because she was not making sure he was taking his medication. In August of 1972, Tony was found to be in a catatonic state. And he was just clutching himself and swaying. Barbara arranged for him to see Dr. Lindsay Jacobs. And he was a psychiatrist that was recommended by a friend. And he confirmed that Tony was indeed suffering from schizophrenia. And that he really needed to take his medication. Jacobs was really worried about Barbara's safety during this. He would even say, quote, Your son is going to kill you. I think you're at grave risk, end quote. And all Barbara said was she didn't. She didn't think so. She thought that she was fine. But she would ignore this, and then weeks later, after the doctor's warning, Barbara and Tony got into a huge fight again. Apparently, she was criticizing a romantic interest of his, and she said how bad it was for a man to be interested in other men and stuff like that. And Tony just had enough at this point. So, on November 17, 1972, he took a kitchen knife and stabbed her with it. She died instantly. Tony would call the police and wait at the scene. When the authorities arrived, he completely confessed to everything. He was institutionalized at the Broadmoor Hospital. And at the time of her death, Barbara was 51 years old and Tony was 25 years old. So he was institutionalized at the Broadmoor Hospital, like I said. But this was only until 1980, which was about eight years later. And this is when a group of family and friends, because rich people have a lot of friends that are in high places and can do favors for people. And they said he should be released from there. And this Broadmoor Hospital, if you didn't know, was a high security hospital in England. So eventually, it was decided that he should be free and released. So he was 33 years old when he was released, and he flew back to New York City from England to stay with his 87-year-old grandmother. And this was Barbara's mother, Nini, who I discussed earlier. Now, Nini didn't mind having him back because she also doted on him and thought he was something special. But six days after he was released to her on July 27th, he attacked her because they had a fight about him using the phone to call a friend. So he attacked her with a kitchen knife and stabbed her eight times and broke several of her bones. So he was arrested and charged with attempted murder. She did survive this. And then he was sent to Rikers Island Prison in New York. On March 20th, 1981, Anthony was found dead in his cell 
and he had suffocated by a plastic bag. So he died by suicide. And this is also sad on the level that he died from plastic, which his great-grandfather was the founder of, pretty much. So it's very sad on many, many levels. Now, you may have heard of the 2007 movie called Savage Grace, and it's based on the life of Barbara and Anthony. I've never seen it, but Julianne Moore stars in it, and she looks like she does an amazing job. But there is a scene in it with Barbara's ex, or a man who plays Barbara's ex, Samuel Adams Green, and they would date after her divorce from Brooks. And he was an art curator and director. But there's a scene in there where they had a threesome with Anthony. And then Samuel Adams Green said about this, quote, It is true that almost 40 years ago, I did have an affair with Barbara. But I certainly never slept with her son, nor am I bisexual. She started telling people she had an incestuous relationship with her son as a way of curing him of homosexuality. But I don't believe she had sex with Tony. I think she simply enjoyed shocking people, end quote. And he was involved in legal action against the film, but at the time of his death, it was still unresolved. So he didn't believe that the incest happened. He thinks that she just liked to shock people and say things like that. So who really knows, but... Either way, it is a terribly, terribly sad case. And there's just so many elements of it and so many people that suffered. It's truly sad. Well, that is this week's episode, Barbara Daly Bakeland. There was just so much going on to this case. It's really sad on just so many levels, like I said before. But I really hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for listening. And just if you could, please rate, subscribe, and review. It really helps the podcast out, and it helps others find the show. Thank you so much for your support. And also, remember, if you have any ideas for upcoming cases, you can either send me a message on Instagram, TrueCrimeWorks, or you can email me, TrueCrimeWorks at gmail.com. And that's all for this week, and I look forward to talking to you next week on True Crime Works.